Chapter One of the Red Inn by Honore de Balzac. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter One The Red Inn. In I know not what year, a Parisian banker who had very extensive commercial relations with germany was entertaining at dinner one of those friends whom men of business often make in the markets of the world through correspondence a man hitherto personally unknown to him this friend the head of a rather important house in nuremberg was a stout worthy german a man of taste and erudition above all a man of pipes having a fine, broad, Nuremburgian face, with a square open forehead adorned by a few sparse locks of yellowish hair. He was the type of the sons of that pure and noble Germany, so fertile in honorable natures, whose peaceful manners and morals have never been lost, even after several invasions. This stranger laughed with simplicity, listened attentively, and drank remarkably well, seeming to like champagne as much perhaps as he liked his straw-colored Johannesburger. His name was Hermann, which is that of most Germans whom authors bring upon their scene. Like a man who does nothing frivolously, he was sitting squarely at the banker's table and eating with that Teutonic appetite so celebrated throughout Europe, saying, in fact, a conscientious farewell to the cookery of the great Carami. To do honor to his guest, the master of the house had invited a few intimate friends, capitalists or merchants, and several agreeable and pretty women, whose pleasant chatter and frank manners were in harmony with German cordiality. Really, if you could have seen, as I saw, this joyous gathering of persons, who had drawn in their commercial claws, and were speculating only on the pleasures of life, you would have found no cause to hate usurious discounts, or to curse bankruptcies. Mankind can't always be doing evil. Even in the society of pirates one might find a few sweet hours, during which we could fancy their sinister craft, a pleasure-boat rocking on the deep before we part monsieur hermann will i trust tell one more german story to terrify us these words were said at dessert by a pale fair girl who had read no doubt the tales of hoffman and the novels of walter scott she was the only daughter of the banker a charming young creature whose education was then being finished at the gymnasie the plays of which she adored at this moment the guests were in that happy state of laziness and silence which follows a delicious dinner especially if we have presumed too far on our digestive powers leaning back in their chairs their wrists lightly resting on the edge of the table they were indolently playing with the gilded blades of their dessert knives when dinner comes to this declining moment some guests will be seen to play with a pear-seed others roll crumbs of bread between their fingers and thumbs lovers trace indistinct letters with fragments of fruit 
misers count the stones on their plate and arrange them as a manager marshals his supernumeraries at the back of the stage these are little gastronomic felicities which brillat savarin otherwise so complete an author overlooked in his book the footman had disappeared the dessert was like a squadron after a battle all the dishes were disabled pillaged damaged several were wandering around the table in spite of the efforts of the mistress of the house to keep them in their places some of the persons present were gazing at pictures of swiss scenery symmetrically hung upon the grey-toned walls of the dining-room not a single guest was bored in fact i never yet knew a man who was sad during his digestion of a good dinner we like at such moments to remain in quietude a species of middle ground between the reverie of a thinker and the comfort of the ruminating animals a condition which we may call the material melancholy of gastronomy so the guests now turned spontaneously to the excellent german delighted to have a tale to listen to even though it might prove of no interest during this blessed interregnum the voice of a narrator is always delightful to our languid senses it increases their negative happiness i a seeker after impressions admired the faces about me enlivened by smiles beaming in the light of the wax candles and somewhat flushed by our late good cheer their diverse expressions producing piquant effects seen among the porcelain baskets the fruit the glasses and the candelabra all of a sudden my imagination was caught by the aspect of a guest who sat directly in front of me he was a man of medium height rather fat and smiling having the air and manner of a stockbroker and apparently endowed with a very ordinary mind hitherto i had scarcely noticed him but now his face possibly darkened by a change in the lights seemed to me to have altered its character it had certainly grown ghastly violet tones were spreading over it you might have thought it the cadaverous head of a dying man motionless as the personages painted on a diorama his stupefied eyes were fixed on the sparkling faucets of a cut-glass stopper but certainly without observing them he seemed to be engulfed in some weird contemplation of the future or the past when i had long examined that puzzling face i began to reflect about it is he ill i said to myself has he drunk too much wine is he ruined by a drop in the funds is he thinking how to cheat his creditors look i said to my neighbor pointing out to her the face of the unknown man is that an embryo bankrupt oh no she answered he would be much gayer then nodding her head gracefully she added if that man ever ruins himself i'll tell it in pekin he possesses a million in real estate that's a former purveyor to the imperial armies a good sort of man and rather original he married a second time by way of speculation but for all that he makes his wife extremely happy he has a pretty daughter whom he refused for many years to recognize but the death of his son unfortunately killed in a duel 
has compelled him to take her home, for he could not otherwise have children. The poor girl has suddenly become one of the richest heiresses in Paris. The death of his son threw the poor man into an agony of grief, which sometimes reappears on the surface. At that instant the purveyor raised his eyes and rested them upon me. That glance made me quiver, so full was it of gloomy thought. But suddenly his face grew lively. He picked up the cut-glass stopper and put it, with a mechanical movement, into a decanter full of water that was near his plate. And then he turned to Monsieur Hermann and smiled. After all, that man, now beautified by gastronomical enjoyments, hadn't probably two ideas in his brain, and was thinking of nothing. Consequently, I felt rather ashamed of wasting my powers of divination in anima vili, of a doltish financier. While I was thus making at a dead loss these phrenological observations, the worthy German had lined his nose with a good pinch of snuff, and was now beginning his tale. It would be difficult to reproduce it in his own language, with his frequent interruptions and wordy digressions. Therefore, I now write it down in my own way, leaving out the faults of the Nuremberger, and taking only what his tale may have had of interest and poesy, with the coolness of writers who forget to put on the title pages of their books. Translated from German. End of chapter 1. Read by Peter Strom in Patagonia. On March 12, 2019.